What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Keeping Up With Cash. It's your host, Cash Money Morgan. Uh, how's everybody doing? No one answers. That's okay. That's okay. That's normal. That's normal. All right, then. <laughs> um, so today I actually have a very interesting guest. Uh, it's actually one of my bosses, which is bold of me since my one-year review is literally next month. But, you know, YOLO. This so. won't come into play. We'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, we're yeah. keeping this separate. Uh, so one thing about Jeff, though, is I think he's very funny. I used to have this list in life uh, where I, I, you know, top five funny people in my, I mean, in my life. And I, I, I sort of personally feel like you made top three. And he's probably like, well, that's so crazy. But... I think it's the people who don't try to be funny that are just like naturally funny that I just find hilarious. So congratulations. Well, thank you for yeah, that. I, I mean, I really don't try to be funny all the time. <laughs> yeah, a little laugh track. A little there. laugh track. Yeah. I like it. I like it. So, uh, Jeff, why don't you give a little bit of bio, kind of about yourself, where you're from, where you grew up, stuff like that. All right. Well, I didn't know you really wanted to bore your listeners to death, but <laughs> we can start there. I was born and raised in Huntington, West Virginia, which is right where ohio west virginia and kentucky meet it's uh, on the ohio river it's very picturesque but unfortunately it's not very economically stable so a lot of people are born and raised in huntington and uh, find their ways around the country um, i'm a marshall university so i am a graduate of marshall and a big supporter of the thundering herd uh, as are my children um, Let's see. I lived in Huntington for my first 29 years. And then, yeah, 29 years. Worked for a beer distributing company there. Was a sales guy. Um, did some other stuff that was kind of interesting for uh, where I was in life and my age. I had a lot of fun. Um, and then went back to college and finished up. And when I was finishing my degree, I started working in a restaurant. And it was a you know, white tablecloth, kind of fancy restaurant. And a guy would come in that I had met once before who actually lived in the building that the restaurant was in. And uh, he was the CEO of a big uh, steel mill that was in town. And slowly but surely, like all the girls that worked in the restaurant, like they just couldn't handle him. I mean, he was very abrasive. He was loud. He cussed a lot. I mean, like he was like a sailor. But he was, you know, just a passionate man. Just like challenge accepted. Yeah. Well, I mean, so I come into the kitchen and a couple of the girls are crying. And I'm like, what's going on? And they're like, well, you know, none of us want to wait on Mr. Petro anymore. And I'm like, well, I said, you know, I'm just tending bar. It's one table. I'm like, I'll take care of him. So I started taking care of him. And, you know, we hit it off pretty good because underneath that thick skin and gruff, he was actually a pretty funny guy and a fun guy. And he always told me, he said, hey when you graduate from college, I'm going to hire you, you know, and you're going to work at Huntington Alloys. And I was like, well, that's cool. You know, at least I've got right. like a solid prospect out there. Wasn't really something I wanted to do. And I, right about the time I graduated, my sister threw me a surprise party that was a total surprise, like literally. Like I, you could have knocked me over the feather when I went in that party. I was just like, are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah, it was like Christmas Day for a two-year-old, you know. So uh, as I'm rounding the corner, getting ready to walk into this surprise party, I see the, the Herald-Dispatch, which is the local paper, and the headline is, Enco sold Petro leaves. And I was like, well, there goes that. And then oh, I walk man. in, and you know, everybody's like, surprise! And I'm like, okay, so that totally melted that away for a while. But uh, anyway, uh, that's how I ended up getting into the metals industry. Um, 
he called me about six months later and said, hey, you never sent me your resume. And I said, well, you're not the CEO of Enco Alloys anymore. And he goes, well, that doesn't mean I'm not the – a lot more colorful than this. I'm not going to cuss on your podcast. Right. But right. he went into some explicitives of explaining to me that he's still a president and CEO of an international company, yeah. you know, blah, 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 blah. So that's how I got my start. And, Shoot. Uh, turned 30 working there. And I was running a service center, which is kind of similar to a lot of the operations that we do here. And then, um, so in the course of a year, I had five different jobs with Haynes, and I actually moved five different times with Haynes. Wow. Yeah, in the first year. Um, and I ended up in St. Louis. So, and in St. Louis, golly, how much do you want me to talk? Because I just feel like I'm like <laughs> totally sucking the oxygen well, off Well, however, your... you know, just kind of how you got to TCI. Okay. Well, I mean, it's a long story. Okay. Well, like the Spark Notes version, so. All right. So you know. what are those kind of? Is that like Cliff Notes? Yeah. All yeah. Right. So they changed the name on them in the last 40 <laughs> years or whatever? This is how it goes every day at work. It's, you know, I say, I say something and I mean, like, have to, you know, Mm, they say something i don't know i know i'm like I'm, yeah i'll vividly remember telling you one time in a meeting i'm like morgan <laughs> you have to speak the kind of english that's in the webster's dictionary because right. i can't spend the whole day googling <laughs> your terminology yeah that's okay <laughs> yeah well just you can just you know hop skip but then kind of specific like when you got to tci okay. or whatever well so that's an interesting story so i moved to st louis i started in field sales and springfield was part of my territory and very early on i made a trip down here and i went to a fabricator and the fabricator you know as i was leaving was like hey you're not going to that new uh tank components place are you and i was like oh no not me and i mean i got in the car and made a couple phone calls and found out where they were and i drove to tank components first location over on college avenue literally right behind paul mueller and i went in and there's six dudes in there that are like covered in crap from head to toe i mean <laughs> and they literally look like homeless people and they're in there and they're just trying to clean this dump of a building up i mean it was mud and crap on the floor the office was a shambles i wouldn't let a dog use the bathroom in there Oof. i mean it was as bad but you know i had a conversation with all the guys and I, I i fell in love with them i mean when i left there i was just like golly man what an electric group of men yeah. that is you know so that kind of started our relationship because i was gonna say that was way back when they had first started right that like was, in 2000 that or... was 22 years ago yeah so um you know jason and i became friends dale mike randy i mean we right. all became friends and we would do stuff every time i came to town and tank components was never like a really big customer for me but jason was always a really good source of information of telling me what was going on with my types of materials in the market so it was kind of like pointing me like where i need to go while yeah. i'm in springfield kind of deal so in 2004 david Starr bought tank components and that made a lot of things possible one of the things that uh Jason tried to do was bring me on board in 2004 and I had some conversations with my then wife and she was like no I'm not moving to Springfield you know I live in St. Louis and I was like okay well, then we'll just live in St. Louis yeah so fast forward a couple of years I got promoted at Haynes I moved to Indiana uh this was still you know this territory was still I was still responsible for it but I had sales guys that you know did the actual calling on so I only came down about maybe once a year every other year or something like that 
So, um, in 2016, my ex-wife, who was my wife at the time, had found her biological family. Shoot. Yeah. That's so, heavy. Yeah, it was crazy because, you know, she didn't. She never tried to figure any of this out until after her dad died. And then after her dad died, they had to empty the safe deposit box and then found all the papers and everything. Well, it turns out she has a half-sister that lives in uh, Edmond, Oklahoma, which is just on the north side of Oklahoma City. And we were coming down to spend um, Thanksgiving with them. And we were going to stop in St. Louis, spend the night, and then finish the drive. Well, I got to St. Louis, and I'm like, I'm not stopping. I got to finish this. I mean, I got to get closer. I don't want to have the same drive the next day. So I drove, and I got to Rolla, and I was like, yeah, I can make it further than this. <laughs> you know? So I got to Springfield, and I'm like, you know, the kids were cranking out at this point, and the the wife was ready for, you know, the night to end. And I was like, all right, we'll stop in Springfield. So I stopped in Springfield, checked in the hotel. And on the coffee table was the 417 magazine. Mm-hmm. And it had a picture of a big buck on it and everything. And I took a picture of it and I sent it to Jason. And I just said, the answer is no, no, and no. And like five seconds later, my phone rings. And he ended up talking for like an hour. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the whole time he's, uh, you know, just catching up. Because it had been a little bit since right. we talked, you know. Yeah. And uh, we just had a really nice conversation. I went on to Oklahoma City. We had Thanksgiving, and I was home. And that Monday morning, I was driving to work, and Jason sends me a text, you know, saying, call me as soon as you get to the office. And I was like, oh, my gosh. I'm like, what's going on with that component? So I start calling the (laughs) office, you know, ahead before I even got there. I'm like what open orders do we have for tank components what are we late on you know (laughs) are there any quality issues you know i'm thinking i want to get ahead of this i just don't want to call jason and and then he's like well you know you are destroying our world down here in springfield missouri with your late delivery (laughs) or whatever right and uh nothing was cooking so i called him up and we started a conversation and that was a little over five maybe five and a half years ago wow that's awesome so then just picked up the family and moved here yeah, I mean, it wasn't that simple, but yeah, we moved here. We moved here in 2017. I started work in April, and then the family moved down at the end of July when Sam's summer baseball season was over. Very cool. Yeah. So Jeff is the VP of sales here at uh, Tank Components. So when you graduated college, was that like you knew, I want to do sales? Is that Was that always a passion for you? or No. <laughs> <laughs> You get another curveball. Congratulations. He's I like, like, actually, I was studying photography. Uh. Sort of, yeah. <laughs> I actually wanted to go to law school, and I was studying pre-law. And while I was in school, um, one of my best friend's dads was a lawyer, and he had a pretty frank conversation with me one night and really, for the most part, talked me out of law school. Wow. And, and at that point, I was really like, you know, I just really need to get my four-year degree underneath me. I've got nothing but time. You know, I was single. You right. Know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Yeah. Shoot. So then, obviously, you met the guy from, like, your country club or whatever, and then sales, and then just been in the stainless steel world pretty much since then. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's funny because my son, Sam, is always like, well, I don't know what I want to do when I grow up. And I'm always like, Sam, if you think I was 18 years old, a senior in high school, going, you know... When I'm 52, I want to be living in Springfield, Missouri, and you know, running a stainless steel tank components right. company. That no way. Yeah. Yeah. 
I had never even yeah. heard of any of this stuff at that right. point in my life. Didn't even know it existed. Yeah, but it's a great it's a great culture, great people. I mean, same. I was literally telling one of my friends the other day. I'm like, a year ago, I was in class, you know, figuring it out, and I never would have thought I'd be doing marketing at a metal company. But you know, it's awesome. So you just don't ever know what's going to happen in your life, you know. No, that's exactly right, and that's what I've been trying to explain to Sam, who's 18. I'm like, hey, man, you still have a lot of world left in front of you. Don't rush it. Right. Just let it happen. You know, I think some kids. You know, they know what they want to do. They want to be doctors. They want to be accountants. They have a clear path, and they started in high school. I didn't. You know, Sam's focus has been sports. Now, my daughter, different story. I mean, she's so focused. She's, like, laser-focused. She gets straight A's. She's the president of the student body um, for the freshman class. Oh, my gosh, that's awesome. Yeah. So I don't think, I think by the time Juliana gets to her senior year, she's probably going to be like, yeah, Dad, I want to do this, and then I want to do this, and then I want to do this. And the only thing Sam wants to do is play baseball. And I'm down for either one. There's nothing wrong with either one of those things. But even if he doesn't know, like, career-wise, I mean, he knows baseball. And who knows, career-wise, what that could end up in, so. No, and it's awesome. And, And baseball's competition, and competition teaches you a lot about life and a lot about getting over unexpected hurdles that come up along the way. Right. So. I'm, yeah. I'm completely and very proud of him. I'm very proud of my daughter as well. That's awesome. Jeff is a great dad, guys. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> <laughs> um, so kind of on the career topic. So someone like me, you know, an entry, kind of like an entry-level position in marketing, stuff like that. What advice would you give to someone in my position who one day would maybe want to be a VP like you? You know, what, what were things that you did or... Um, that kind of helped you grow in your career and get promoted and all, all those things. Well, I'll tell you what I didn't know at the time that I was doing that got recognized is I was always trying to make things better. I mean, I, you know, you get handed a job and they tell you these are the expectations and this is what we want you to do. And I think, you know, not intentionally, I just think I've always had that drive to hey let's make this better let's make it better for me let's make it better for you let's make it better for the company let's just keep marching to make this better and after you've made it better look at it again and say how can i improve on that even more yeah even if your job doesn't tell you to do that when you take a job you should just say hey i am going to make this like i'm going to do this better than anybody else can do it on planet earth anybody that's done it before me and i'm going to set the table for anybody that's going to be coming after me that's a great mindset. Yeah. That's good. I'm taking notes right now. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, okay. And, and, and I mean, that, yeah. like really from, and now that I manage people, you know, when you come to work, I want you to like what you're doing. I want it to be exciting for you. I want you to think this is the coolest place on planet Earth you can work. And I think that's what drives a lot of what you know jason and i've done for five years i mean we look at things you know we don't sit in here and try to figure out how to do things out on the shop floor we talk to the guys out on the shop floor and ask them what they think yeah you know would make things better for them out there because you know i can i dish a tank head absolutely (laughs) am i proficient (laughs) at it absolutely not do i know enough about it to try to make an improvement to it absolutely not now if i did it for a couple of years maybe but i don't so yeah that's good that's great um so kind of going along with that you know 
the eight to five job being in that for you know a number of years how do you go to work each day you know have eight hour day and make it fun and exciting well I, again i think it comes back to what are you doing i mean if you're just sitting there doing the minimum and just trying to accomplish the task that you've been you know given specifically your day is going to be a grind i mean it's going to be slow you're going to be looking at the clock a lot but I think if, you know, you're handed something and you're like, how do I do this? How do I do it better? You know, what, the, you know, this process that I'm using, I know that there's got to be a better way for, you know, this to happen. And I think the cool part about that is, is I've always worked for companies that have been really receptive towards uh, input from the people that work for them. Yeah. Yeah. Which is huge. You know, the people essentially are the company. And there's there are bigger companies that you know do well from the surface but internally they're like the people aren't happy or their turnover is really oh, no. high I, and I, I came from a, a very good company where it was I mean you could tell by department you know who had a good management team and who didn't and when you work for a company that's that big you know it's hard to really put you know rock stars in every position yeah. because you get just got so many positions so you would see some really well-run departments with really happy people and then you would see some people that you knew were miserable from the minute they punched in to the oh, minute they punched out that's tough yeah it's tough that's tough okay so transitioning a little bit real talk real talk first impression of me my first week of work what i mean be nice like you know that's your audience you want you want them to hear it i'll give it to them how about okay. that okay well okay so i was really excited when you came on board obviously i think you know that you know, Jason and I have a very good balance of how we bring people in. And, uh, you know, it was a new position. We wanted somebody that had new ideas and that had, you know, a lot more exposure to the different marketing platforms that exist that we have, you know, no real hands-on knowledge of. So I was super excited when you came on board. I was super excited at your enthusiasm and the energy that you bring to the appreciate you, Jeff. To it every day. No, really. I mean, I mean that. I mean, I can tell like when I give you something, and I could tell this from day one. You know, you would get it, and you'd be like, "Okay, yeah, this is mashable. I can make this work." So, yeah, you make a really good first impression. Thank you. You're I appreciate welcome. that. That yeah. was real. You yeah. made a good impression on me too. Was, Jeff is funny. Like I remember the. I don't know. I mean. When we started doing the CRM, <laughs> and he was like, Morgan, I'm going to start giving you the leads to give to the sales team. But Jeff does it funny because he does it in riddle form. <laughs> but I'm not very, I don't want to be like, I'm not smart, but I'm not, like, I'm Googling like all of these riddles trying to figure out what sales guy to okay. give to. <laughs> okay, let's back up here. So when she says I give it to it in riddle form, what that really means is that like I will pinpoint the location on a map and then I will say something about that location in the form of a riddle so that they can read it and say, okay, <laughs> let's see, this is a flat piece of land close to an ocean. So I'm in, I don't know, Terra Marina or whatever, yeah. you know. Yeah. So. I don't even. J just so people do you, know. Do you remember like any of the riddles you would say or no on the top of your head or anything? Um, well, you know, I've got the stupid ones, like the one where I, I say Y-O-U and then T-A-L-L -L and then question mark, Utah. Yeah. For Utah, <laughs> you know. 
That's a pretty. Yeah. That's a pretty what Juliana would describe as a dad joke way of passing some information. Along. Yeah. Yeah. It was just so funny to me because some of them were actually really challenging. <laughs> someone who would do this and that's so cool so. well i think some of the guys geek out on i think pope rolls his eyes and but i think josh really geeks out on yeah. it a little bit yeah. he's like yes yeah he's like oh i got this one you know and i'm sitting here i'm just like okay i'm not gonna ask because i don't want to sound <laughs> that's funny so obviously you've talked about your kids so yeah. do you want to talk about kind of how you know how old they are and yeah so Sam's 18. He's a senior at Nixa High School. He is uh, on the baseball team. He is a key contributor um, for the Nixa Eagles Baseball Club. He's going on to play college ball next year at uh, State Fair Community College. Um, Juliana, like I said, she is more of my uh, – she as, like my kids are like yin and yang, right? Like Sam cannot be in the house in his room. I mean, if he's in his room, he's sleeping. Julianne, on the other hand, she can be in her room. She loves doing the TikToks. And, yeah. But she could just as easily be doing, like, a, you know, a painting or, you know, working on some kind of – she does a lot of artsy stuff. That's awesome. Yeah, really cool art stuff. And she likes to read, which is really weird because, you know, I can't read. I can't do – my ADHD, I just cannot sit down and – no, Is there at a beach or something, you know? No, nah, I can't even do it at the beach. Oh, There's really? nothing riveting about <laughs> reading black dots on white paper. I mean, it's like horrid. I mean, I know it's great, and a lot of people enjoy it, and it's therapy for some people. I used to do the books, you know, by tape. Yeah. You know, yeah. so you could go to Cracker Barrel, right? You know what Cracker Barrel is? I'm... I really don't. I don't rock. With, I I don't rock with Cracker Barrel. There's like three places in the world I never want to go, and then one of them is Cracker Barrel. So. All right, yeah. So I get you. I feel you there. But they have this deal where like you can go into a Cracker Barrel and they have a gift shop, and they'll have like a book on a CD, you know, right. and you can check it out, say in Memphis, Tennessee, and you can listen to it on your drive to say, you know, Pensacola, Florida, yeah, and go to Cracker Barrel in Pensacola, Florida, Return it. and tr- turn it in and get your deposit back. That's kind of cool. Yeah. It's like a library of a Cracker Barrel. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I used to do that. That was pretty cool. Yeah. Probably haven't read or listened to anything since. That's okay. <laughs> you can listen to yourself later on the podcast. So there yeah, you go. Maybe. <laughs> oh, uh, well, Sam's doing pretty good baseball wise, right? Yeah. 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 He's uh, the one. He's having a great season. The whole team's having a great season. They're like twenty-three and one on the season. They're ranked twenty-fifth in the whole United States. Jeez. Yeah. That's cool. It's awesome. It's awesome. Man. Yeah. So, transitioning a little bit, relationship status. Oh, yeah. Well, that's, I hope your folks that are listening to this are just ready for boredom. I got no relationships going on. Uh, (laughs) I don't even have a dog. Well, I don't either. (laughs) I can't take care of ones. Oh, I do have partial custody of, of my daughter's dog. So okay, yeah. of your daughter's dog. Yeah, every other weekend I have Daisy. Oh, there you go. That's yeah. cute. Yeah, she's a good dog. Yeah, yeah. So obviously you've mentioned you have like an ex-wife. Um, so how how was dealing with that while also being full time and having two kids? Was that like what challenges came with that? Well, yeah, it's challenging, um, and it's you know it's not a horrible challenge, but there's just the unexpected. It's always the unexpected. Like you know you. I mean, everybody wants the world to work like, you know, this is the time you get the kids and blah, 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 blah. But there's just always something that comes up. And that's kind of the real challenge. Other than that, I don't know. I think, uh, I think we handle it well. I think the kids handle it well. You know, it was a transition period for sure. But now, you know, it's kind of behind me and, 
and yeah, yeah. Sam's getting ready to go to college. Julianne will have her license in January, so she'll be a free spirit and be able to, yeah, you know, I, I, she won't have to worry about how am I getting home from school, right? Or, Just know. make sure I'm not on the road and she's on the road. So yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, she's actually a really good driver. That's great. That's really good. <laughs> yeah, I've got like this impossible scenario to pull into a, a garage. I have a two car garage that is at the most a one car garage and there's this big steep hill you know steep driveway that goes into the garage so when you pull in you really can't see what you're pulling into because you're really looking at the the ceiling in the garage and she's she's got it nailed i mean she just pulls it in boom like nothing man i still sweat it (laughs) i could never i probably couldn't get up the hill but that's awesome for juliana rock on (laughs) that's crazy Do, do you think you would ever see yourself maybe ever in a relationship ever again yeah um it's funny like right now i just don't think i have the available time to be a fair partner to someone you know i chase my son around a lot on the baseball field uh, and i have my kids every other weekend and i'm not going to schedule any time you know to hang out with somebody on my kids weekend right and it's would be way too awkward for me to start dragging somebody to sam's baseball games i'm not going to put that on him or juliana you know for that yeah fact on him so yeah I think once Sam gets into college, uh, that'll open up a little bit of a new chapter for me. Yeah. Yeah. Rock on, Jeff. Yeah. yeah. Um, so my next question is, you know, as someone working full time and, you know, being a great dad and all these things. So how do you not like find time to support Sam and all the baseball things? But, you know, I being a full time athlete, too, can be so hard on kids mental health and stuff like that so how do you support him in being successful in that and pushing him to achieve greatness and all those things well you know i I do try to listen to everything that he says and not uh brush any of it off i mean if he tells me he's tired you know i tell him to rest i mean if he tells me he wants to talk i'm you know i make myself available to talk you know sam is a lot like me he's a uh he's a very powerful extrovert that also doesn't and he's got kind of a wall that yeah. he keeps around himself at all times. But he's got a really good group of friends. And i that's the one thing that I feel probably the best about is like when I look and I look at the guys that he's running around with, I know they're all making pretty good decisions for being where they're at, the age they are, yeah. what's available for them. I mean, so, um, but, you know, at the end of the day, I, I do, I beat myself up a little bit, you know, for, you know, maybe saying something to Sam about baseball that maybe I shouldn't say, you know, like the other day he said, uh, he's like, daggone it, dad. He's like, man, I am creaming the ball. I'm absolutely creaming it, but I'm just hitting it right at people. And I said, well, just find a gap. And he's like, Oh, nice dad. Like, I'm not trying to find a gap. You, you don't think I'm trying to find a gap. And I'm just like, Oh man, I felt horrible. I mean, I felt like an inch tall. And then, uh, one of the, I'm just, that's like every conversation with Mike. <laughs> and, then, and then one of the other dads standing next to me, he says the Sam, he says, he said, you keep hitting the ball hard and good things will happen. And Sam's like, see dad, that's what you should have said. Just like, sorry, I didn't pull up the Pinterest quote. Like, <laughs> I'm like, man, believe in yourself. Like, <laughs> no, 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 but it's um, all good. You know, I try to support him in, in every way that I can. I try, what I try to do is be positive i mean even right. when things aren't going good i just say hey man you know like if, if he doesn't p- pitch well it, and he doesn't he never doesn't pitch well he always pitches well you know but yeah. to his like opposite you know when he says 
well, I just hit it right at the players, right? Mm-hmm. Well, when he's pitching bad, it's not that he's, you know, hitting people or anything like that. It's just those players are getting lucky and they're fine. You know, they yeah. luckily get into the gap. So. Well, I think it's hard for any parent. You know, you just want to... There's a line between, like, and my parents, too. It's like, oh, Morgan, like, we love you, support you. But also, you want to be honest with your kid. You want to give them, like, that healthy criticism. But sometimes you just want to, you know, you're just like, Mom, just tell me you love me and let's no, no. move on. You know, no, no. like. And, and I get that. But I'm yeah. also a little bit of uh, uh, a real-life guy. Yeah. And, you know, you are going to be in situations where your parents aren't going to be there to protect you. And you've got to learn to protect yourself. And That's right. I try to preach that to both of my kids. I don't have any fear uh, that either one of them would not know how to respond to a situation that was confrontational or uh, adversarial, you know, because it's going to happen. I mean, yeah. you know, you're going to be somewhere where somebody does something. And, you know, I've tried to talk to both of them about it. you got to be tough. I mean, you, you can't. Unfortunately, I had a conversation with a guy the other day. His son was eight hours away playing at a baseball game, having a phenomenal game. Got hit by a 92-mile-an-hour fastball. Knocked him to the ground. Oh, my gosh. And his son's eight hours away. Eight hours away. I couldn't imagine. And, but I'm getting ready to to get into yeah. that, that situation. Not eight hours, but, I mean, far right. enough away that I can't run onto the field. Yeah. So. It definitely is hard. I mean, I know being away from my parents, you know, like 11 hours. But definitely it made my heart grow fonder. You know, I was like, I'm homesick. I miss you. I never was like that in high school. <laughs> love you, mom. Love you, dad, for real. <laughs> but, you know, it, there's there's those moments where I'm like, man, I wish I could just eat dinner with them on a Sunday night, you know? Yeah, and yeah. it's, and you can't. But. Oh, I think Sam's moments yeah. are going to be like, oh, I wish my dad would have done my laundry for me. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, obviously, Jeff, I feel like you're, you know, you're a story guy. You got a lot of crazy experiences. What would you say is, like, the one of the wildest or craziest stories in your entire life? Oh, God, Morgan, we're not going there. <laughs> okay, I mean, whatever. I mean, I know you have probably a million, but... I, I have thousands. I mean, it's, it is literally a miracle that I am walking on planet Earth today. <laughs> I mean, it is. I have seen, and I've seen everything this world has to offer. That's I just think. wild to me. Okay, well, is there one story where you're like, man, this, I just can't ever believe this ever happened, you Okay, know? so, you know, this is one that you should have prepped me for. Okay. Like, <laughs> you know, I turned down all the prep on the on the last part of the deal, but this right here, um, I don't... I don't even need prep. I'm Jeff Russo. Like, I'm just <laughs> yeah, something like that. Um, but, oh, let's see. Wild stories. Wild stories. Oh. Like, for me, one of my craziest wild stories was, you know, meeting a thruple after, you know, running into GA, sneaking into that at a concert. You know, I've never, I was like, whoa, that's crazy. I've never, you know. But, I mean, I know you have wild stories. I mean, Jeff is a goofy guy. Like, the Christmas party night, we were all we all went to hang out afterward. And then he's like, oh, I'm going to leave. And we're walking back just back from you know the rooftop bar or whatever and jeff is brick dancing in the middle of the street to a bunch of random people i'm like this is my boss <laughs> it was awesome did a good job <laughs> well I, so i'll tell you you know i mean like unfortunately for me i've had a lot of life experiences so everything's been a little bit uh, you know i've got like a crazy story for every year of my life probably but so one of my best friends is a musician and uh and he is a very talented uh, man well i say young man we're not young men anymore <laughs> but uh 
so I've, I've met a lot of famous people and one you know somebody's always telling me like you know hey what's the most famous person you ever met i can't tell you because i've met so many famous people that i i don't know i mean it depends on what you consider famous i mean okay do you, do you like actors do you like actresses are you into rock stars i mean what yeah what do you i like this know? game let's play this game yeah right. so here i'll play this game with okay you. let's go <laughs> so we're in uh trace and i are out in california and uh i think we're in van nuys and he's working at Goodnight LA, which was uh, a guy named Keith Olson, who was really the backbone of um, Sound City, which is where a lot of really, really famous bands got their start. Nirvana recorded their first album. Oh, there. nice! Yeah, you know Fleetwood Mac. I mean, like <laughs> well, all these Mac. icons, right? And I would go out there and see Trace, and Trace would be like, "Well, you know, blah blah blah's in the studio today." And I'm just, I'm not starstruck, so I was just like, "Yeah, whatever." I mean, do you want to go? Nah, not really. So you know, there was one day I had to go to the studio with him, and uh, so I can't remember who was recording that day, but Keith had an appointment and he had to leave. Keith Olson was a, a very famous uh, producer, record producer. And Keith comes up to me and goes, hey, Jeff, he goes, you mind, you know, finding out whose Suburban that is over there? But they got to move it because I can't get my car out. And then he drove a Ferrari. So I go rolling across this, like, parking lot. And I don't know how to describe it, but it's like just like this little cluster of warehouses and these interconnected buildings. But there's only one way in and out, right? And this Suburban's blocking that way in and out. So I go over there. You're in the Ferrari? No, I just, oh, I'm, I'm just walking. Oh, okay. No, no, I just I just walked across. <laughs> I had to the, ask, walk, like. Walked across the parking lot, and uh, I see the people in there that I think is uh, the owner of the suburban, and I yell in there. I'm like, hey, I'm like, is this your old suburban out here? And this guy turns around, and he looks really familiar, and I'm like, it's like Kanye West. <laughs> he turns around, and he's like, yeah, what's what's going on? And about that time, out of the corner of my eye, I see this uh, street sign that says Willis Boulevard. And uh, I said, well, you're, you know, you're blocking the driveway and Keith's got a meeting. He needs to get out. Can somebody move the Suburban? And he just got kind of nasty with me. Well, if we could just hold on, come on, you know, and all this other stuff. And I'm like, well, hey, man, I said, I'm just saying he's got a meeting. You know, if you guys could just move this thing out of the way. So there's another guy. And this is Bruce Willis, by the way. And I, slight flex. <laughs> yeah. So Bruce like looks at this other guy and I can't remember his name. Trey said he was some guy that was in a movie called the burbs or the blurbs or something. I don't know. <laughs> and so he asked this other guy to move the car for him. And the guy comes out and moves the car. And I, so I walk back over and, and uh, I'm telling Trace's like, Hey, but thanks for getting that done. I'm like, yeah, man. I said, the guy that I had to ask, I said, he was a real jerk. And I said, but I think it was Bruce Willis. And Trace is like, yeah, Really? I'm like, yeah. So <laughs> Trace opens up the door to the studio and screams out to Bruce Willis. He's like, Bruce, you're a weenie. <sighs> and I'm like, first off, I'm like, weenie? Really? Right. That's, that's the word <laughs> that's the you're going to use. use. <laughs> but that's the word he used. I feel like you're a weenie if you use the word weenie. <laughs> <laughs> so so anyway, then Demi Moore, who was Bruce Willis's uh, wife at the time she comes out and she walks up to me and she's pregnant and she's wearing this tie-dye jumpsuit you know like the pants and the, yeah. and the shirt match and she's apologizing to me she's like i'm so sorry she's like you know he's just in a bad mood and they were there they were picking up she was pregnant and i guess they'd had a you know a child before and all their like baby stuff was in the storage unit so they were there picking up the storage stuff 
Man. So that's I mean, wild. Like, so why don't you get starstruck? Like, is there no one where you're like, man, this person was here right now, I would just lose my mind, you know? I I don't know. I mean, that's weird. But I mean, like I've been in restaurants. Jamie Lee Curtis sat like a table next to me, and I just I didn't even have the desire <laughs> to say anything to her. I got a couple of words for her today. I'm just I'm just kidding. <laughs> that's crazy. That's yeah, wild. Yeah, that was at Spago. We went to Spago and. Uh, so Trace's dad was really good friends with a, a fellow that was, uh, I don't think they were married. I think they were just like 20, 30-year boyfriend, girlfriend thing. Yeah. But her name was Rona Barrett, and Rona Barrett was like the Oprah Winfrey of the 70s, right? She knew everybody. And I was out there, and, you know, Bill was like, well, do you want to go to Spago? I'm like, well, what's Spago? He's like, it's the most famous restaurant in the world. And I'm like, well. Sure, I want to go to the most famous restaurant. <laughs> so, in the world. how'd you meet this guy Trace or whatever that has all these connections? Huntington. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, well, that's cool. Yeah. So he he was my best friend. So like when my when my dad passed away, uh, the the Ritters kind of adopted me. You know, oh, into that's their awesome. family. Bill was uh, Bill was like my father figure. That's awesome. And Bill was just a I mean stud. They don't make bills anymore. Bills of bills aren't made anymore. Dang. Unfortunately. Yeah, he was a rock star. He's just one of those guys. I mean, he yeah. he walked in the room, he owned it. I mean, you just you just looked at him, you're like, like the one of my favorite stories about Bill is they were in Washington D.C. just showing the kids like the Smithsonian and yeah. the Washington Monument and all this, and they're walking down the street, and this limo pulls over, and they're like, uh, "Excuse me, sir, uh, do you need a ride somewhere?" <laughs> what? Yeah, and Bill's like. No, we're fine. We're just walking, and we're you know just having a little tour here. He's like, "Well, thank you, Senator." The dude thought he was a senator. <laughs> Bill, oh my god! Bill never held a political office, in his life, but he just had that look, man. It was he like a big guy? Oh uh, yeah, he, he was. He was a tall and just handsome. Harris slicked back. Always wore a suit. Always. Just pulls over, thinks he's a senator. Yeah. Oh my god! I'm telling you. I mean, Bill was like calm. He Bill was like the calmest dude ever. Yeah. Probably should have been a senator. So. He should have been. Yeah, probably. Yeah? Yeah. Man. So, the story at the restaurant in California. Yeah. So, anyway, so I'm sitting at this table next to Jamie Lee Curtis, and she'd just been on one of the late night shows, and she's, you know, obviously gorgeous. Right. And she's wearing this gorgeous dress, and, you know, and I, like I sit there for like a half hour, and Trace is like, you know who that is, right? And I'm like, I don't have a clue. <laughs> And he's like, oh, that's Jamie Lee Curtis. I'm like, oh, yeah, it is, isn't it? So <laughs> so at some point, I'm like, i got to go to the bathroom. So in California, the bathrooms are unisex, meaning there's only one, you know, lavatory in each room. You just wait your turn, and oh, you know, gotcha, whoever gotcha, comes yeah, out, yeah. you just go in after him, lock the door, do your thing, you know. Right. So I'm waiting in line, and this guy comes up, and he's like, mm, so which one are you? Are you rich or are you famous? And I just turn around, look at him, I'm like, both. Just deadpan, and right? Classic Russo deadpan style. Just looking at him both. That's awesome. So that left him a little speechless because so, I think he was trying to figure yeah. out who I was. <sighs> no, like trying to Google you. So when you're in a place uh, like no, that, can no you? No Google back can, then. Oh no, oh, pre Google. <laughs> pre Google. Oh Morgan. my god. So when you're in a place like that, like, could you ever approach Jamie Lee Curtis or you know anyone like that? Or uh, I don't know. I don't. Yeah. Probably not. I think I have more respect for people's privacy than that. Yeah. You know, I mean, I'd let her approach me, obviously. (laughs) 
I would too. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, quick little change. Do you have any thoughts on uh, Elon Musk buying Twitter? Any? Yeah, I do. And it's interesting that you asked me that. I think it's great. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, oh, I thought you were asking <laughs> that I'm asking you no, that. No, I think oh. that's great too. So, you get two greats. Boom, okay. boom. Boom. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, no, I think it's a really good thing. I think that's... Uh, I don't know. I don't want to get too political. Right. I knew you were going to drag me down political road. Well, though. I don't do I, political. I'm no, no, like, no. I, I literally am I like, I don't talk but, political. But, but this is, but I'm a Twitter person. You know, I'm a no. pop culture person. Yeah. That's all over but everywhere. The, my whole thing, I, my whole hope in this whole thing is, is that I think that you have people that have opinions, and if they don't like people that share the same opinion, they have the power to muzzle you on a public platform. I don't think that's right. Right. You know, I don't think that, you know, anybody should be able to say, oh, oh, you're silenced. You can't talk anymore because we don't have the same opinion. Because I got news for planet Earth. I mean, we are going to coexist on this Earth for the rest of eternity without having 100% agreement 100% of the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've been here for how long and we've never had it. I don't foresee it ever being possible. And, uh, you know, as long as he does what he has said he's committed to do, I'm I'm, I'm a gamer. I'm mean, a complete gamer. So, do you think you know him owning Twitter now? Do you think it's going to be more free speech, less free, you know, free speech or anything? I, I not think affected. Or? I think you'll see a lot less censorship based on political ideologies. I mean, yeah. you know, in my opinion, I think the thing that the things that need to be muzzled are the people that have. Uh, Violence. You know, if you're going to threaten violence or you're going, hey, let's all get together at McDonald's and burn the place down at midnight. Yeah, that needs to be censored. But if you're saying something that is just your political opinion, Mm -hmm. that's your political opinion. And I think a lot of what has clouded all of this was, you know, we had the coronavirus. We had a lot of different opinions on treating the coronavirus or you know the precautions and you know the measurements that everybody should take and i think the problem with that was is even the experts had differing opinions and depending on which expert you agreed with basically determined your availability to express your opinion and i think that's not right mm-hmm. so yeah you know if, if they said you know this guy that lives down the block from me says xyz well i mean you're citing your source i mean if you're gullible enough to say oh yeah man chef russo's neighbor right (laughs) right whatever drop my pin this is my location yeah Yeah. exactly so i don't know well we'll see it'll be a game changer i think there's i think there's just been way too much I think there's just been way too many politics that have gotten involved in social media. Right. And to be quite honest with you, that's the reason why I got off Facebook in 2000, I want to say 15 or 14, is because I, you know, I've got enough in my life yeah. without worrying about everybody else's opinion on, on exactly. a lot of things. Twitter is for memes. It is for yeah. sports. It yeah. is for me to tweet whatever I want. <laughs> well, no, no. Yeah. Like for me, like I like Instagram. I mean, yeah. Instagram is all about pictures. You know, I, right. mean, I just share a picture, give it a little caption, move on. Bada bing, bada boom. Yeah. yeah. If you say something bad about it, I come to your house. We have a conversation. It might get physical, but at the end of the day, y'all respect your opinion. You still like my photo, yeah. Right, like. right. This is just a picture, but yeah. yeah. But I have noticed that even Instagram is starting to get infiltrated with a lot yeah. of the political crap too. So, who knows? Yeah, I mean TikTok too, and you know I think 
I agree. When COVID was happening, it was just such an influx that I literally just was off because I don't want to hear it. You know, you want some positivity in your life. Social media sometimes for me is just an escape to, you know, where you decompress. And when it's just filled with news and all these sad things, I'm like, I'm trying to escape from my own sadness. Like, (laughs) No. And on Facebook, I've watched so many relationships that were, I mean, not solid, but I mean, at least cordial, dissolve into, you know, such horrible vitriol that you know people talking about people's dead parents and things and it's yeah. just like i mean you're gonna go there yeah i, I couldn't go there you know I, that's the problem with a lot of social media is you get to hide behind your keyboard and your screen mm-hmm. and everything you know it's not face-to-face communication old school yeah you know a lot of stuff that happens on facebook and twitter and all that in my day you know if we would have had that conversation face-to-face there would probably been some fist flying. Right. Yeah. No, it's it's honestly wild how, you know, kids get social media young. You go on TikTok and someone could put, comment on your video, you know, like, kill yourself. And they have no profile picture. It's user 12345. And, you know, and it just it kills your self-esteem. And yeah, you get all that anonymity. It's a hard word, to be honest. It is a hard word. I don't word. even know how to spell it. So, Well, my favorite word is onomatopoeia, so if you want to write that down. That's your favorite word? Absolutely. So Jeff does this thing where, uh, boom cakes. I've never heard it in my That's whole life. That's a Jason life. thing. Is it a Jason it's thing? It's a Jason thing. I thought it was a you no, thing. No, no, I picked up, up from Jason. Jason well, now started. I say it all the time, so I'm like, oh my gosh, yeah, boom cakes, like... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's a great, no, that's a great term, and I love it. It is a great term. Yeah, because, yeah. I mean, a lot of people, you know, you pump your fist, that's like a boom, right? Yeah. And then you get your little dessert, you know, boom oh, cakes, Boom right? cakes, yeah. coin bring, that. Bring me the dessert. Oh, you know, well, he, yeah. He should have, he should have trademarked that or something, because that's yeah, a good one. Yeah, because now I'm going to take it. I'm just, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, you pro- you're probably too young for this, but there was a, like, a high school sports announcer, like, you know, just a amateur kid that would announce this high school. Yeah. And this kid sinks up uh, just an unbelievable field goal in basketball and he goes and boom goes the dynamite and i mean boom goes the dynamite i mean right. it just like everybody was saying it for like 18 months yeah in the whole country boom goes the dynamite well for a while you know like the office that one episode boom roasted i used to say that all the time like boom roasted you yeah. know yeah yeah i don't even know oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, as we close, uh, one of my last questions before I get into my usual thing is, what is your favorite part about being a dad and also a vice president? Well, okay. I, I think my favorite part about being a father is the love that my kids show me. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I never really, I, I, like, I remember when I was getting married, I was like, you know, I'm standing on this altar, and I don't know, I'm getting ready to get married, and I'm thinking to myself, this is permanent. This is, like, yeah. permanent, right? Because you don't do a whole lot of things in life that are permanent, right? Well, then... Me and my five tattoos. I'm just, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No, because you can get those removed. <laughs> oh, that's true. Yeah, I can show you. Like, I got a butcher on my arm that, you know, I tried to have one removed. It's the ugliest thing you've ever seen in your life. I'm sure that had to hurt. <laughs> oh, you think it hurts going on? That's <laughs> nothing. It's absolutely nothing. That's what I've heard. Yeah. But, you know, but I will say this. They've refined that technology greatly, so I bet you that it's not as bad anymore, the laser technology. Mm. So, anyway, so I'm sitting up there, I'm thinking, that's permanent, right? But then, when Sam was born and when we adopted Juliana, I'm like, 
this is permanent. This is the only thing that's really permanent. Yeah. Is being a parent. Marriages and like mine and divorce, you know. But Sam and Julianne are not ever going to be my kids. And I will always have this unbelievable love for them. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it's, it is, I don't know how to explain it. Cause, you know, because I've, I've always tried to do this. You can't explain it to somebody that's never had kids. Mm-hmm. You just can't. I mean, it is a love that is bigger than you. I mean, it, it's a love that you yeah. will die for. Wow. You will absolutely die for. I mean, like, I, I, you know, you tell, I, I know you do. You told some of your best, well, I'd die for you. I'd take a bullet for you, or you do whatever. Yeah. yeah. You, you know who you are. <laughs> you might, but I'm just telling you, yeah. for your kids, you will. Mm-hmm. Or I will. But I think every yeah. parent probably feels similar to what I'm saying, trying to verbalize here. But, but you're right. Even people who aren't confrontational. Like, they're, they're like, oh, I don't want to, you know, like like in my family, I mean, I don't put my, but, you know, if someone's not super confrontational or not, they're kind of more passive. When it comes to their kid, they will confront you. They will show up. They'll send the email because that's their kid, you know, and they're yeah. going to fight. I know both my parents would fight and do anything for me. Oh, yeah. And so I'm an animal lover and I love my children. And we were at some friend's house one time and they had a young, not a young puppy, like a year old dog. And the dog is kind of aggressive occasionally. And Juliana is just, you know, like on this dog. And the, I can see the dog's getting aggressive. And I just looked at Julian. I said, Julian, I said, cut it out right now. I said, because if that dog bites you, I will kill it. <laughs> and, um, and she knew that I was like stone cold serious. I mean, she knew that like that I just, I just spoke a fact. And I've never. I don't think my parents would go that far. No, I've never seen Juliana. I mean, the look on her face. But I mean, and I, I probably shouldn't have said it. But I was just like in this spot, and this yeah. was going on, and I'm thinking this dog's gonna bite my daughter. Right. It's not gonna happen. And yeah. if it does, it's not gonna end well. And right. I just wanted Juliana to know that I'm like, now's the time to stop doing that because I, you know, that's how much I love her. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think my mom told me when I was a baby, they had a cat, and I think the cat wasn't, like, vibing with a new baby, and I think, I don't know if it touched me once, but she was like, get that thing, you know, yeah. on the street, or yeah. I don't no even know, cats. no more cat. Like, <laughs> That's now a feral cat. I've been scarred cat. ever since, PTSD, I only like dogs, I'm just <laughs> Yeah, now there's feral cats all over Green Bay. Yeah. <laughs> And they all somewhat look like the cat that you had when you were an infant. Yeah, you know what? You don't mess with you don't mess with this, you know. Yeah, um, I agree. That's all. I think that's a perfect way you put it about your kids, though. Yeah. I mean, I think so many parents feel that way, and I hope I do someday. You know. You will. Yeah. Yeah. In like a long time. <laughs> that's all right. I, you know, I didn't get married till I was thirty-two. I didn't oh, for have real? Sam till I was thirty-three. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh shoot. Yeah. I kind of like that time. Thirty-seven when Juliana came home. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. So, favorite part about being a VP? Um, my, I think my this is probably the easiest question. Given my favorite part is, I just feel like I make myself available enough that people are honest enough with me to tell me, you know, things that they know that I can change for the better, and they know that I will make my best attempt at making changes for the better. That's awesome. That's awesome. Very cool. All right. Well, as we close, uh, everyone who listens, uh, thanks for listening along, you guys. Uh, I'm I'm sorry. Uh, You all know I ask the same three questions at the end of every podcast. 
what is your legacy? What is your favorite quote? And what is your favorite song? Okay, so I'll probably run this in reverse here. My favorite song is Wish You Were Here by Pink Floyd. Okay. Yeah, so it reminds me of my dad. Um, my dad died when I was younger. I was 13. And I ended up working in the same industry that he worked in for a while. And I would hear that song, and it just would bring back these awesome memories of my dad. So that's my favorite that's song. That's awesome. Yeah. And then... Uh, quote. Quote. Um, so there was a Lou Holtz quote one time, and I'm going to butcher it, but it's something like, I don't care how rough the ocean is, just bring the damn ship in. There you go. Which I love. I'm just like, you know, yeah, I get it. Like, there's all kinds of stuff going on in life. Yeah. But if you have a goal, you got to get to your goal. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you get a flat tire on the way to work, you still got to go to work, right? Mm -hmm. But, uh, and that's probably simplifying it way more than what I really think about that quote. And the last one was what? Oh, uh, what would you like your legacy to be? Oh, man. I've thought about it that a lot as I've gotten older because I really don't have much of a legacy built. But I think at this point, my legacy is my children. I think they both are going to make a great impact on planet Earth and be uh, great contributors to society. And, you know, I just want to help them do that. So that's, that's it. awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much, Jeff, for coming on the show. Uh, also, thank you for being a great boss. I mean, it's making me laugh, you know, like what? <laughs> yeah. So, just for the record, so everybody on the podcast knows, I don't give Morgan her review. <laughs> He's there though. You're there for like the rides. <laughs> so, so this ain't this isn't gonna get her anywhere. <laughs> uh, okay, I tried. You're All still right. a great boss, whether or not. <laughs> yeah. I think. Uh, that's funny. Um, but yeah, just keep on listening out on the podcast. Uh, go ahead and follow the Instagram if you haven't. I have a lot of cool interviews coming soon and some fun stuff planned for summer. So, uh, all right. Catch you guys later. Bye.